Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Hello. Well, recovered from yesterday, the busyness of the... Where's the team? Who were in Milton yesterday? Jay was there, others... Oh. Oh, there we go. Not Milton, what do you call it? In Danoon, side five. We were seven. Sorry, I know, I was just testing you. Go to listen. But I mean, I just, I was so proud of, of our community and our crew yesterday. We, um, Wayne was sharing the testimony this morning and selling of the day, and Jen ran up to make an impromptu announcement. So he was like, okay. And she prayed for a lady who's struggling to read the thing, and, and next minute prayed for her. Next minute she's reading the form, and the first thing that says on the form is he'll, give the, he'll make the blind eye see. And it was just amazing. And so, yeah. Can we actually just, can we pray for, for every one of those buckets right now? Whether you gave or not, it doesn't matter. It's about what God's doing in and through His people. And I pray right now, God, every home that one of those buckets went to, I pray for supernatural signs and wonders. I pray for salvation. I pray that men and women who encounter you, I pray where there's discord and chaos in a home, would you bring peace? I pray where they are seeking journey, I pray would you reveal yourself through a meal through the generosity, even every time those buckets are used practically, God, our people, people reminded they are loved by a living God who sees them, who knows them, and who will reach out and continue to reach out to them. We thank you, King. We said, do it again. Heal the blind eyes again, God. We trust you, King. Amen. 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 Christmas again. I want to give it a big punt again, because I, I don't know, Christmas, I'm not like a huge Christmas guy, like a carols, walking around, game stores, singing carols. That's not my thing. But when Christmas comes together, I know that it puts it on the radar. And Gabe encouraged you, but here's a scripture to encourage you. Think sometimes people are like, no, elves, Mark, elves. People wear elves hats. I don't care about elves hats. Don't care about Father Christmas. And, um, but I do care about this. Ephesians 5 and the challenge says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And then it says this, making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity. I'm telling you now, this time people's hearts go a little bit open because, because hopefully there's, there's a little bit of money in the bank or hopefully there's some holiday or hopefully there's something good coming and, and they're all on a seeking journey. I believe every single person on this earth is on a journey seeking the King of Kings. They're designed to worship Him. And our invitation alone might just be the one thing that changes the life forever. Our having two meetings in faith, and, and, and who cares if they're a little thin, that might lead to one person getting saved. And if one person gets saved, it's all worth it. When we planted this site and with this congregation, we said, hey, we'll plant this congregation if one person were to get saved. Just one. And God has been far more grateful, gracious and far more kind than that. So we're really, really excited and um, take the opportunities um, really love it. I, I said this morning to the church, I don't normally rush away afterwards, but it's quite awkward for me to rush out, so I explained to the church, I need to get outside on the car park, and one guy's like stopping traffic, says, the pastor's got to go, the pastor's got to go to church, so he's stopping all the night, one guy's got a massive trailer, he's there, stop, come pastor, ushering me out of the parking, so I got you on time today because of that guy, and um, I'm really, really excited. Daniel chapter 6, as we finish this amazing, amazing short series, but we want to read from the Word of God and allow God to speak to us. Is that good? Can you stand with me? Is that cool? I know this is our liturgy. We stand for the Word of God. People ask, what's your liturgy? This is it. It pleased Darius. He's the king now. 
new king, to appoint 120 satraps to rule their different dominions. Not the same thing. Satraps are different. They are rulers, they are governors to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds to, for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. So they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So the king Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went and got grumpy and complained on Hello Peter. Oh, no, sorry. He went on kingdarius.com and left a comment and a bad rating, one. No, sorry, that was wrong again. It says he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree. Can I not say your majesty again? We're just going to leave that. Is that all right? <laughs> all the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went to the group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. That's the king, an evil king, a king who doesn't worship God, who thinks he's a god. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of the nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating or without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to, den, to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. How's that for a first response? My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. 
The king was overjoyed, and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found in him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with his wife, their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. And he says this, For he is the living God, and he endures forever, and his kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the most powerful of lions. So Daniel prospered during, greatly during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. We pray, God, this morning as we come under your word. Something inside of us roars when we hear the story, God. Not because we fear lions, but because we worship the living God who is mighty to save. And if an evil king can declare that you are mighty to save, how much more your people? So I pray be with us this morning, God. Put courage and strength inside of your church this morning, God. Put a resilience and put a, 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 a strength inside of your people this morning that is fueled by your word and fueled by your spirit of God. We pray this morning and be with the blitz box, we pray, God. Amen. 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 I've learned from Gabe, you must pray for your sporting teams. It's important. How cool is that story? I read it to my, to my little boy Daniel the other day. I've never seen the kids so excited by the word of God because he was kind of thought it was a story about him until he realized he'd never faced lions. But, um, but it's amazing. It's courage-giving. It's life-giving. It fills us and pulls us into a bigger story, a gospel story. And I want to take a few simple points. But just before I jump into there, what's happened is since Daniel 1, there's been three kings. Now this is the fourth king. And Daniel has served under each of them. And under Nebuchadnezzar, obviously, he prophesied Nebuchadnezzar's demise. And then it happened. How much courage does that take? You prophesy. king says, actually, tell me my dream. He tells him the dream, and then the dream comes true. It's radical. And then he comes, and then this new king comes in, and it says, actually, this new king is under pressure. He's looking for guys who, who under whose leadership he won't experience loss, and he chooses this exile, this foreigner, to step in to one of the three top roles, and he says, under you, I can trust you. Why? Because you faced up to a king named Nebuchadnezzar, and you were honest with him, and you were integrous with him. And he oversees 120 governors. You want promotion in the marketplace? Be honest with your boss. Will this work? And everyone around the table is going, yeah, it was your idea. It must be. It's amazing. Brilliant. Go, Bob. And you just say, actually, I don't think it's going to work. You might not get the first response, amazingly. But I promise you down the line, do that enough, and your boss will trust that you're being honest with him. And it's an amazing thing. And point number one, and I went for emphasis. I spelt the word wrong. The long game. Because what has happened is Daniel went into captivity somewhere between the age of 15 and 17. We aren't sure. And this story takes place not when he's 21, not when he's 31, 41, 51, 61, 71, somewhere between 81 and 83. So the commentator is saying by this stage, he's been in exile for 67 years. For 67 years, he served foreign 
kings. For 67 years, he served evil kings. For 67 years, he's held his attitude right. For 67 years, he's got up three times a day and prayed to the living God. For 67 years, he's just done these things out of faith and courage. Faithful. And everyone goes, I want to live a Daniel story. I want to see Daniel in the lion's den. And every time they paint Daniel in the lion's den, he looks more ripped than the lion. And I'm going, he's 83. He's probably not more ripped than the lion. He probably knew he couldn't overpower the lion. He probably would have gone, I've served these guys for 67 years. Surely I don't deserve this. Surely God wants me to die a good death. I've lived a good life. But after 67 years, his resilience hasn't waned. After 67 years, he hasn't lost an inch of courage. After 67 years of serving in a foreign land, he hasn't lost a little bit of passion about the living good. Not one. He says, put me in the lion's den. After 67 years, because my God is faithful. And there's God is some, something's got to come into us that, that, that I feel sometimes we're missing as a church. And I know myself, the days are going hard. I'm going, you're only 39 years old. I've worshiped God for 25 years. I've got many, many more years ahead, I trust, to proclaim his name, to give him glory and praise. Whatever situation or circumstance, whatever governments say, whatever leaders say, I worship the living God. But 67 years is a long time. You know what? In the light of eternity, it's nothing. We're not good at remembering there's an eternal game here. Much longer than 60, 70, 80, 90 years. There's eternity at stake. Daniel knew that. He understood that. And the challenge to all of us is, will you faithfully trust God? Dot, dot, dot. With patience. Write that down. Write on your walls. Jeremiah 29, everyone loves it. There are many other scriptures. Write that one down. Will you faithfully serve God with patience? What are you trusting for? See, Gabe was joking, and I've been doing a DIY project. I get these impulses. I get a little bit manic, and then I jump into things. I don't really know what I'm doing. YouTube help a lot, and friends help a lot. But eventually, you just got to go. And so I jumped into a DIY project, but I phoned Moses. Moses, who helps me in our garden kind of once a month. Um, I looked at my neighbor's garden. It looked amazing. Got the phone number and phoned Moses. Not the Moses from the Bible, by the way. There's a different Moses from Malawi. And Moses helps me. But Moses came and he just took over. Moses knew what was going on. He knew the story. And I, I've, over the weeks and months that Moses has been helping us, I'm finding out more about Moses. See, Moses is a qualified man who because of visa situations and legalities of our nation, Moses works in gardens, but he's far more qualified than that. Every time Moses comes to my house, he's dressed impeccably. His shoes are shined even though he's walked through dust. Caught taxis. He gets to my house dressed impeccably. My children love him because every time he comes to the house, he greets them by their name. And he walks into my home and there's a peace. I leave our house open. We leave. I leave. <laughs> I've left the kids there once or twice with him. And on a Sunday morning, when I'm preaching, Moses is also preaching. Because he leads a church in Benin. It doesn't matter that his family's still in Malawi. He's preaching the gospel. It doesn't matter that people are prepared to pay him ridiculously bad wages sometimes. He's preaching the gospel. It doesn't matter that his circumstance is tough. He shines his shoes and he pitches up at work and he honors. It doesn't matter that this guy that he's working for doesn't have a clue what he's doing. He starts telling Mark, you get on the compactor. I'm going to sort of, I'm with this compactor. <laughs> Moses, I go this way, Mark. Yes, Moses. 
my forearms are like, I feel like people have stuck knives into them. I've been holding onto a compactor just for dear life. Looking good. And because uh, Moses is a man of God. Moses is a Daniel man. Moses is a man who knows his God and regardless of what nations say or governments say or circumstance, he shines his shoes every morning he goes out because he has the spirit of God inside of him. He is a warrior. He is a king. He is a mountain of a man. It doesn't matter what economics say. It doesn't matter what, what, what visas say. He has the spirit of God inside of him. And so I said, Moses, bring some friends. We need help. He said, yes, we need help, Mark. You should have told me earlier. But he brought some mates. And, and, and the one mate was this big and the other mate was this big. But these guys start speaking about Moses, the evangelist. And I'm going, God, he's in a foreign nation, away from his family. If I was in a foreign nation, away from my family, under financial pressure, please, Lord, let me be a man who would shine my shoes and go serve. And uh, this book of Daniel doesn't let us off the hook. It just, I've been thinking of Moses every week. Secondly, this guy Daniel. You want to live a Daniel life? You want to see a life that has stories that people talk about the greatness of God in your life? Well, he has healthy habits. And his healthy habit wasn't eating spinach in the morning, which I did eat this morning, just telling you. That's why I'm looking so vital. I had spinach in my smoothie. No, his daily habit was prayer. It says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room with the window open towards Jerusalem three times a day, got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. You see, I think if, if it didn't have that last little line, just as he had done before, I think he could be like many of us Christians sometimes. It's like, oh, God spoke to me last night. I'm going to get a quiet time and I'm going to do prayer walk. So we're on the corner street having our quiet time just so everyone can see our quiet time. Is it just me? Sometimes I like being seen doing spiritual stuff. Now this guy's been doing this every day for 67 years. Morning, lunch, and dinner. It doesn't matter if he was lowly positioned and it doesn't matter that he's 83 years old, been doing it for year after year after year and now has a very busy job. A very busy job. And all the privileges of the land. He could have been eating grapes and people feeding him grapes in the, in the, the halls of, of the land. Babylon. Just as he had done before, says he prayed. He didn't moan. He didn't spend his time moaning to all the believers. Oh, guys, how's these oaks? We've served them for 67 years. How's these oaks? Take away our privileges like this. Oh, flip. Doesn't even waste time doing that. He just gets the direct... Gets it published. Oh, that's cool. I'm going to go praise God. And I'm not just going to ask him to take this away. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to thank him. How amazing is this? He's giving thanks to his God. You want to live a Daniel life? Give thanks to God in the toughest of times. Make sure the windows are open if that's how you do it normally. That was just his habit. And he faced Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where the temple was. That's where his heart was. That's where he was praying towards. And it wasn't he was worshiping Jerusalem. That's just what he was in the habit of doing. It wasn't a petulant statement of a believer under pressure. Now I'm going to fight back. No, he didn't feel it was his job to fight the king. It was his job to give thanks to the king. And when we get these things, we stop wrestling the wrestles that accept, take so much energy from us. And draw it out of us. And we get able, enabled to give energy to the fights we should be fighting. Yeah. What are your healthy habits right now? 
Do you have any? Right now, prayer, reading his word, time and silence and energy, looking after yourself. I think sometimes those healthy habits have more power than we could possibly, possibly understand. My suggestion would be prayer is a good one. And Daniel's life was marked with a habit of prayer, not just a moment. Point number three, you want God to give profile and the world is watching and they're judging. So if you want profile, which is influence, understand this and accept this. The world is watching and they are judging. It says of the administrators, they could find, they were looking for it, but they could find no corruption in him, none. In 67 years of his story, they would have jumped onto Google and Babylon, looked at Moses, bad things, they wouldn't have found anything. Imagine we could do that in the days of government leaders, name, naughty, nothing on Google, like not even anything. How amazing is that for a testimony of a government official? I think it's incredible. I'm not having a job at any government officials. I do think it's incredible because I understand the opportunities and the possibilities for it in 67 years to use the system a little bit. So you're making a stand for Jesus. Understand this. Every time you make a stand for Jesus, we are exiles in foreign lands. And every time you make a stand for Jesus, you're not just making a stand for Jesus. You're making a stand against the enemy. The two things happen at the same time, and we forget that. But I would say this. Leadership is influence. And you can be influenced and lead in a business, even if you were the person who serves coffee and tea every day for 20 years. You can be the number one influencer in this place if you allow the Spirit of God to work in you. If you allow your attitudes to be defined, not by your environments and your circumstances, but by who God is in your story and the promises over your story. It doesn't matter who looks down on you. It matters on who is watching over you. That's what matters. And when we allow that to grip us and rip out our smallness and we understand I'm an influencer for the King of God and it doesn't matter that the world is watching, open the windows because I will worship Him. We live out our worship before a watching world. Not on a Sunday morning, we gather, we get strong, but we live it out every other hour of every other day as we gather. There is a world and they're watching and they're looking and they're judging, get over it. Allow them to do it. Don't give energy to trying to self-justify. Just worship God. Give Him thanks and praise. Point number four says, there's a higher law. It's a higher law than the law of earth. It's called the law of heaven. And so do I believe, and, and, and could we not be tempted to ask the question, well, should Moses, should this guy, Daniel, not have listened to the king? Doesn't the Bible say, pray for your leaders, honor your leaders, listen to what they say? Well, it does say that, but I would say it also says that where it comes against and infringes the law of God, it's null and void at once. Why do you think Daniel just got on with it? He just prayed because he knew it was against the law of God. Because in God's law, and God's economy, God called his people to pray. He knew the scriptures that God was a jealous God. He knew the journey of the Exodus was all about God bringing his people close, allowing his people to worship. He knew that. So when the challenge came and a law came that conflicted that, he didn't even waste time trying to write a petition. He just went and did what he was called to do. Sorry, I spat on you a little bit. More Lord. And um, he didn't wait. Stop. Can I encourage us? Stop wasting time. I'm watching Christians waste time, precious time, because the days are evil, wasting precious time fighting other Christians and fighting the world about what we can believe. And I'm just saying, just get on with it. 
Let's just get on with it. Let's love people. Let's give more buckets to more places. Let's love people more. Let's share the gospel more. Let's get on with it. Let us worship and pray and give thanks to God with the windows wide open. Let's just get on with it. Because God's in control. We either believe that or we don't. I want to say this. Do I believe these lions were real? A hundred percent. Real, hungry, angry lions. They were so hungry. They devoured not just men and women, but also children, as the scriptures tell us. And I think Daniel would have seen this type of execution of justice many times before. So he knew what the implication to fight would have been. He knew it. And still he chose God. At the center of this series is choose God. Young people, older people, keep choosing God. 67 years in a foreign land, exile, under pressure, under oppression, kings, next minute you're high, next minute you're low, next minute you're high. Choose God. Point number five, and probably my favorite one, and one that I I actually wanted to call the series at one stage, I was chatting to Gabe, I wanted to call the series The Safest Place. And it's simply this, that I'd rather be in the pit with lions, and I'd rather be in a fiery pit with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego than without God. The safest place we can be is with the lions. So what does that mean? How how do we live our lives? Well, stop trying to run from the lions and give your energy to worship God. Honestly, I think part of this Daniel story is he just doesn't get distracted. No, those are, those are just civilian affairs. I worship the living God. He's on his throne. I'm an exile in a foreign land. I haven't gone home in 67 years. I'm not going to spend my life moaning and bemoaning that and complaining to God that he's never got me home. I'm just going to get on with the story. And that story is to worship God in the foreign land, under pressure. Spurgeon says this, Men have declined to carry a light burden and have been constrained to bear a far heavier one. They have fled from the bear and the lion has met them. They have sought to escape from the serpent, but the dragon has devoured them. To shrink from duty is always perilous. To demoralize yourselves in demoralized times is a desperate alternative. Better go forward. Better go forward. Better, I say, even though you may have no armor, the safest thing to do is go on. Even if there are lions in front, it is better to go ahead. For if you turn back, your back, if you turn your back to the, st- the your back, the stars in their courses will fight against you. He's saying, there's no safer place. Our safest place for Dad David, a 16-year-old boy, his safest place was on a battlefield with a giant with a little stone and a sling. That was the safest place for him. The safest place for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego was in a fiery pit. It was the safest place for them. Why? Because their God was with them. We give so much energy to our circumstances and what's in front of us. Why? Because we we struggle at times with the realities of these things. And I'm telling you, the greatest way is not to give energy and time and not to, well, it's not real. The fire is not real. I don't think Daniel walked in the den going, no, there are no lions in there, boys. Those lions, I know them. I've known them for 67 years. They won't eat me. I don't think that's what he was doing. I was going, those guys will charm me unless God comes. They're going to eat me. I won't even touch the floor. I'll be like a toothpick that they nibble on with a little bit of extra Vienna on it. He knew that. He wasn't denying the reality. He was just accepting who God was, a higher, greater reality. 
Your safe place is not a bank account, a counselor's chair, a person's loving embrace. Drove past bus stations now and people rushing off to the stadium. I saw some young 20-something girls wearing hardly anything standing in the bus stop. And I thought, God, what, what's, what's going on there? I think they're just looking for a safe place. And I think the world presents there's only one way to do that, which is to give up your safest places. Make it exposed to the world around us. We've got to understand the days are evil. The safest place for Daniel was a lion's den. And why? All right. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent an angel and he shut the lions. Psalm 46 is written in the context of King Hezekiah he's, uh, of Judah. And he's surrounded by an enemies. And 180,000 of their people have been taken by the enemy. And um, taken captive. And, uh, and at least 185,000 troops surrounded Je- Jerusalem. But he knew... And he prayed and God spoke. And in one night, the angel of the Lord defeated this guy, Sennacherib, by killing 185,000 soldiers. And this was his prayer before. That's what the commentators say. God is our safe place and our strength. He's got 185,000 soldiers around him wanting to kill him. God is our safe place and our strength. He is always our help. When we are in trouble, so we will not be afraid, even if the earth is shaken and the mountains fall into the center of the sea, even if its waters go wild with storm and the mountains shake with its actions. There is a river whose waters make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high lives. God is in the center of her. She will not be moved. God, God will help her when the morning comes. The people made noise. The nations fell. He raised his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of all is with us. The God of Jacob is our strong place. The safest place. You're in a tough place at work? Well, what does Daniel mean for right now? You're in a tough place, you've got a, 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 a tough boss? Pray. Worship God. Ask him for strategies for your boss so that your business can make profit next year so they can pay good salaries and they can pay bonuses and you can go to your boss and say, hey, Bob, that wasn't such a good idea, but I'm not just here to tell you what ideas weren't good. I'm here to tell you what God has put inside of me. Don't say that. Maybe hold that one for afterwards when he asks you we got the strategy, just saying, <laughs> if it's the same Bob from F&B. And then you carry on and say, God, actually, use me. Stop spending time praying for God to take you somewhere else. Maybe you're in the perfect place. Even if it looks like a lion of fire, maybe in the perfect place for God to get his glory. Struggling with people around you, well, hold your line. Know who you are. You can say no to Nebuchadnezzar. You can say no to King Darius. And in saying no, you are saying yes to a mighty God who is able to save. Stop trying to hide from a wicked world. Don't hide from the world. Have them in your home. Love them. Engage with them. Go to the rugby and go out, and, but stay there as a son and daughter of the living God and allow his grace to pump through you like a powerful weapon that it is, that is far stronger, far greater. Keep resourcing, keep accessing the throne of grace. And the last point is this, God's man always prospers. 
our markets. It's a bit like prosperity gospel. Now, I want to tell you the gospel is prosperity. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. They say actually, the commentators say these are probably the same guys. It's the same reign they're talking about. But I love the line, Daniel prospered. Psalm 1, good place to go. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked. See, Daniel for 67 years, he just was over here. The world walked there in Babylon, he was over here, worshiping God. Who does not or stand in the way that sinners take. Or sit in the company of mockers. When they went to lunch and they feasted on the land, regardless of whether the people have food, he went and prayed. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, my God has called me to worship. And who meditates on his law day and night. The person, that person, that person, that believer, that son of God is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Oh, you don't know my wife. No, whatever they do prospers. Manager of the year. What was it? You told me. What was the? Oh, Mr. Smith. <laughs> Take I've embarrassed him now. Whatever they do prospers. Oh, you don't know my, my, my conditions of work. No, whatever they do prospers. You, they, retrenching people in your business, trust because you are there, they don't have to. Whatever they do prospers. Oh, no, uh, the economy is bad. The economy is bad, but my Bible says whatever they do prospers. I cannot reconcile the two. It's irrational in many ways, and yet it's the word of God, and I choose to believe it. Whatever they do prospers. I, I, cannot, I cannot afford to put my kids into the top school in the nation. So what? Whatever they do prospers. Before they are mine, they are his. And if they will keep turning to them, they'll keep obeying his law, they'll keep worshiping him. Whatever they do, will, they will prosper. Why? Because it's the word of God, it's a promise. My God doesn't break his promises. Prosper where you are. Stop wishing you were somewhere else, someone else, with someone else in another time. Prosper where you are. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Daniel wasn't anything special. Daniel was a son of God who knew who God was. He'd seen the faithfulness of God through his people. And regardless of his circumstance, which never changed, he worshipped and he gave thanks. God's putting something inside of us at this time, church, where he's calling a Daniel generation to rise and to give him glory. Will we answer that call at this time? Mr. Phillips, can I pray for us? Can we stand together this morning? Uh, I read this quote last time I was here, and I want to read it again. It's from Jim Simbler. I displayed the thought that my life might slip by without seeing God show himself mightily on my behalf. Is there a despair in you as you project the years of your life, and there's no touch of God, there's no mighty hand of God in your life? I've seen too much to not believe that my God is mighty. That when my Bible says he parted the waters and his people walked through, I believe God will do it again and again and again. Why? Because the promise of his word.
Can we lift our hands to him this morning? Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, you are here. I thank you for Moses, the Malawian man in my life, God. I thank you for Daniel. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you that you lead us. I thank you that you're committed to us. I thank you whether we are exiles to this nation, that we are all exiles to this world, and yet you've placed us here for such a time as this. For such a time as this, you have filled us with your spirit. For such a time as this, you have empowered us. For such a time as this, you have us here, not someone else. You have us here for your kingdom advancement, for your glory, for your praise, for your honor. You have us here at this time. So I pray, Spirit of God, that as you've called us to walk through fires, there would be a greater fire that would burn inside of us. A fire to bring you glory, a fire to give you praise. Father, that you would, you would be exalted, mighty king, that evil kings who desire worship themselves would find themselves praising the living God. Why? Because your children are giving you glory, sometimes for 67 years, sometimes for six minutes, and yet you are in both. We worship you, God. We give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor.